Hello, hello. Welcome to a brand new episode of the SaaS Prince podcast, the podcast for content marketers in SaaS. And I'm your host, Yag. In today's episode, we are going to learn how to map social proof to your buyer's journey so you can distribute it throughout the entire funnel. To discuss that with us, today we have Dustin Tisic, the VP of Revenue at Testimonial Hero. He is someone who believes that checkbox social proof is extinct and we need fresh ways to engage potential customers. I'm so thrilled personally because I finally have someone who believes in harvesting valuable nuggets from customer conversations. So without any further ado, hey ho, let's go. Hey Dustin, I'm super happy to have you here. How are you going? I'm doing well, thanks. I'm excited for this one. I think it's going to be a fun conversation. Absolutely. I'm excited as well. You know what? You know, you talk about testimonials and you know that testimonial videos requires a whole different approach. For example, you need to focus on the right story and at the right stage of the customer journey, so on and so forth. But for starters, you know, how do you get customers excited in the first place to hop on and do a testimonial with you? Maybe you can even start with talking about how do you go about selecting which customers for what stories? Yeah, I think that's a key point is you're focusing on stories. Like you mentioned it a couple of times. That's really what it is. Um, and we'll get into this later about the checkbox things, but a lot of time it's just, I need someone from this industry. Don't care who it is. Don't care how they are on video. Don't care what their story is. I need to check this thing off, which my opinion, uh, pretty strongly the wrong way to do it. Um, so I think that's important, right? Like figuring out what those key stories are and where the drop off there usually is, is CS and sales knows those stories off the top of their head. They have an army of them that they use on every calls as marketers we're detached sometimes, and we have no idea. So I think that's the first hurdle. Like, don't do this in a silo and just say, that looks like a cool logo. That looks like a cool <laughs> company. Actually work and get feedback, you know, from the rest of the team. Right, right. No, that makes a lot of sense. And, uh, you know, it actually gives me a lot of memories because uh, back in the day, I used to, uh, you know, I used to be an intern in my very first company. And I went in, I went, one mm -hmm. of the first things that I learned from that conversation is where my uh, boss back then said, hey, is this content person who's going to work on this, who's not part of a meeting, does not have a context, does not, I mean, hasn't even spoken to a customer, is that person who's going to do this? And I'm like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> what a question and to have something like that in my very first job i was like right place <laughs> right you know yeah some people go years without realizing <laughs> that right so at least you got it right off the exactly job. exactly you know let's say you have several videos uh that you've gathered uh yeah. by recording your you know testimonials with your customers and each of them let's say they are pillared content like focused on a very specific topic so what is your process yeah. of you know repurposing it and uh, using it so that it is not also ran, but it becomes something as useful as, you know, somebody like a lavender would do. Yeah. So I think the key there is repurposing, you know, it's kind of not a buzzword because it's a legit thing, but it's a trend people talk about a lot with most content. And then with social proof, they don't talk about it really. Like it's not usually repurposed. It's a quick thing that they do on the side. So I think that's the key. Like start with your pillar piece. My you know, admittedly somewhat biased point of view, because I work at a video company, is start with long form video. I do have a reason for that though, which is it's the most high fidelity medium that you can then chop up. So like, let's say we do a customer interview, it's 45 minutes. I'm going to create quote cards for images. I'm going to have, you know, written testimonies on the site. I'm going to have long clips, short clips, the whole gamut, probably an AI case study that we generate and then tweak. So I think that's the key there really is 
start with something long form so that you can actually repurpose it and make it interesting. No one's going to read a 2000 word case study, I would say in general, but especially right off the jump on LinkedIn, they're not going to watch a five minute video right off the jump on LinkedIn. So think strategically, where is this piece of content going to live? What's the key message I want to get across? So let's say it's a cold LinkedIn ad. No one cares about your company yet. They don't know who you are. You know, focus on category evangelism using your customers, focus on an interesting hook and message. So that's the hard strategic part, I think, is mapping out the question, fears, and doubts of your buyers across every single stage, and then asking the right questions with a pillar piece, and then having those assets, you know, to plug and play essentially yeah, where you need yeah. to. A couple of interesting things that you just said, you know, you spoke about um, knowing to use uh, which video where or which piece of content where. So yeah. maybe, you know, if you can um, give us an example of how you would break down a long form video into several pieces and, um, you know, yep. how would you use it? Like, say, for example, of course, I also understand that putting anything more than one minute video on LinkedIn, people are not going to look at it. And unless the title is very interesting and capturing and something that speaks to the problem and pain they have, so on and so forth. But what's your process mm -hmm. like? How do you decide which one fits to which part of the puzzle? Yeah, so it, it all starts with mapping out those stages and then asking the right questions. Um, that's something I see a lot with testimonials is you just ask the same generic recommendation question. So you just get, I love working with these guys. The service was great. This was great. But you don't get into you know the detail. So in our case, like to take a concrete example, which I find helps is... Uh, we one of our, our customers is HubSpot for startups. They gave us a testimonial. It's HubSpot. We want to use that everywhere. So we asked a bunch of questions and chunked out the content that way. So for example, at the top of the funnel, they're talking about the value of video testimonials. As we get further down um, to, you know, I would say the demand capture stage. So let's say someone's on our website. That is more general trust recommendation proof. And then we created a whole whack of sales assets out of it. So I think that's a key point as well is Think about the actual sales story and the objections that they overcame. Think about what competitors they were looking at. Ask questions and get content from that. So for example, we got, I think, five or six sales enablement videos, I would say. Um, and a key example there is one of our key objections is I have video people on staff. Why should I work with you? So we have HubSpot saying we have 200 video people on staff, but we work with these guys because X, Y, Z. And that's incredibly powerful, but you're not going to run that on your website, you're not going to run that in ad. That's a sales piece. So right. yeah, that's that's kind of how we do it and map it out. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, the the biggest revelation out of this piece is that you know I never thought of um, using, you know, having the conversation with the same customer and getting yeah. videos for different stages. Yeah. Because typically, you know, you go into, uh, hey, why did you choose this, uh, and uh, what problem are you solving for them? And then from there, you cut out and show a few features on the side here and there. And that's how it goes. But to mm -hmm. think about, hey, I can get um, different funnel pieces of the conversation and then distribute it in multiple places. I think that to me is a huge revelation. Yeah. And it's not admittedly something I realized or did before I worked here is <laughs> part of it as well. So like, I'm not saying these mistakes I'm highlighting are wrong because I've done them all. It's just now kind of being immersed in it. This is my opinion of what to do there. Um, and I'd say also one thing just on the sales cycle or the uh, the whole journey, don't stop at close as well. I think there's you know a retention expansion upsell piece where customer testimonials are key as well. So yeah, get as much as you can out of one video, use it everywhere because you're asking for 45 minutes of your customer's time. Like, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. You know, let's, let's double click on that a little more, you know, uh, of course, yeah. a lot of these video testimonials and stories as much, we all have seen this 
and sometimes you know uh, we've also been part of this where they remind a kind of cliched uh, social proof on the website yeah. wherein i mean sometimes it i i go on to the extent saying that i don't even like the word social proof because it feels like yeah. you want to tick off something uh, but you are one of those rare gems who recommends that hey you can use them throughout the dimension all the way through renewal and upsell just as you mentioned so if mm-hmm. you can break down the steps maybe you know in the form of a tactical uh, uh, takeaway the idea is you know i want all of us listeners to get a blueprint as to how we can execute this yeah no i mean short form of it reach out and work with us if you want someone to do it for <laughs> you if you want to do it yourself though um i do think it starts with mapping like we refer to question fears and doubts a lot um if you work here you hear it all the time but i do think that is key like we you know have a giant um kind of like an infographic sheet that breaks down the stages and the key questions people might get asked and the topics you want to cover. So I think that's the key is mapping it out where like both what is the topic you want to cover as well as what is the goal of that stage and then coming up with the content for it. So take demand gen, our cold LinkedIn ads. No one is going to click on testimonial and give us 20 grand and work with us. It's not how life works. The goal though is I want them into my remarketing layer you know, I want to at least build awareness so they know who I am. So when they want to buy, they know where to go. So I think that's the key is, you know, mapping out the goals, the topics, taking all the pre-work, tying your questions to it, selecting the customers, taking the testimonials, and then creating the content. Um, So it's not as easy as just, I want 10 customers. It's, there's a lot of pre-work that goes into it, I think. Uh, and, uh, you know, this also reminds me that, yes, it's definitely not easy because, um, you know, I've worked in SaaS for the last 15 years and yeah. I can tell you that working cross-functionally and um, getting customers online in your pipeline to get this recording is literally a pain in the bee. <laughs> oh, yeah. Big time. Yeah. 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 And, and you know, the, the funny part is it's very easy. People say nice things on LinkedIn saying that, hey, we need a revenue team. Uh, yes, we all know that. Uh, but the problem is how easy or difficult it is because everybody on the GTM team is scored by a unique different KPI and everybody is going to work on what they're measured by. So how can content marketers, you know, work with folks in sales and CS teams to get these case studies so that the revenue team not only knows that these assets exist, but they begin to use this as part of their sales cycle. You know, what inputs can we actually get from these sales and CX folks to make sure this works? Yeah, I think it goes back to most things where they're thinking, what's in it for me? You know, I, yeah. like you said, they, they're measured for different things. They have yeah. something they're focused on. Sales, it's win rate revenue is kind of as simple as it is. Am I hitting my exactly. quota? So I think showing them that this isn't just a video that's going to live on the website, but we're going to arm you with, you know, you're going to get eight pieces of content out this that you can use to tell your customer stories. Because all good salespeople have these stories in the back of their head that they just pull out, you know, on a whim. They have them there cataloged. This is a case to actually create a real life catalog, or in our case, like a Google Sheet with all the materials they leave that they need. And then you can kind of pitch it as, you know, work with me on this. What do you need? Like what would help you sell more? I want to help you win here. I think that's a key point rather than just asking for a favor of, you know, what customer should I talk to? I want to make a video. You know, yeah, yeah, we're all on one team, but you're right. Everyone has their own priorities and goals. And then going on to even, uh, you know, asking the right questions, like say, for example, um, you rightly alluded to that the CS folks probably are the ones that are working with these accounts all the time. So uh, they know like the back of their hand, what is a problem for each of their accounts? So how can somebody leverage that 
to uh, you know ask the right questions or maybe even get the right insights sometimes you know i i feel that maybe it's the cs team that is going to give you that hey this particular account is going to have the best story for you talk to them yeah that's always that's actually been harder for me than working with sales because there's even more of a disconnect and sometimes almost rightfully so cs will gatekeep their customers a bit and no marketing no sales go away don't talk to them they're my customer um so i think the key part there is actually building a repeatable process into it and triggers so you know have some type of easy hand raise functionality for this as a customer story whether it's a way they can take it quickly on the crm or a call report or whatever you do and then filter that into something like slack or a google sheet or anything so that a it's easy for cs to do and it becomes part of their process and b you have easy access without having to bug them you know ad hoc every three months what are some good customer stories because they're not going to remember the great ones from two months ago so Again, hard work building a process is difficult, but it's going to make your life so much easier. No, you're so right because uh, again, you know, every single example that you give takes back me to you know some of the past companies where I'm like literally going to the desk of CS folks, dude, have you booked the meeting? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've been there. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You know, um, when I was preparing for this conversation, you know, I I found something that you said that was really really interesting. You you were talking about, if I'm not mistaken, you were talking about that you believe that video and audio is going to become way more important than AI. And given the current AI climate, that's some really hot take. So what do you mean? Like, um, what are we missing today? And uh, what what do you see? Yeah, and, and I think what I meant by this is it's really easy to fake written text using AI. Almost shockingly so, right? Like, take a, a real life example of what we can do. You know, this isn't faking it, but creating a case study, for example, we can take our 45 minute customer transcript, feed it in with the correct prompts, and it's going to give me 85% of the way case study. So it's the same way like AI blog posts are flooding the market and kind of becoming commoditized. I think that's going to happen with case studies, like the generic quick written case study is going to have less and less value, in my opinion. The other part is it's easy to take a fake quote and put a fake person on it. Um, you see, you know, you see like BDR companies do this, where it's a made up person at the company sending an email. It's really hard to put out fake video and audio tied to a real person. Because if I saw some AI generated video of me online, you know, immediately I would call that out. That's not me, you know, get my face and name off there. Um, so I think that's more what I've meant. Like it's more authentic because I pe think people are gonna trust text less and less. I do think, you know, the next, next stage, hopefully in the future is it's gonna be way too easy to fake video and audio. Like I saw Josh Braun post something where someone spoofed his, which, you know, he's a big name, but he's not a celebrity. It's kind of crazy to actually see that. Um, so I do think that verification and this is a real person. I can look them up on LinkedIn. I can reach out to them. I saw their testimony video. I think that'll be key. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, deep fakes are getting more and more closer. So yeah, they are. It's, it's scary. Yeah. <laughs> Right, right. So, you know, when you talk about these storytelling, um, do you generally have a um, framework saying that, hey, in a video uh, to make it really, really useful? Of course, you mentioned about how you would go about mapping each stage and then coming up with questions for that. But mm -hmm. what makes a video really interesting? You know, if you put out a video on LinkedIn versus putting out uh, shots on uh, YouTube versus yeah. uh, publishing an entire uh, case study somewhere on say, for example, Vidyard or Vistyard, wherever you do that. Mm -hmm. So what are you looking at? What What is that framework that makes your story really compelling for somebody to look at it and say that, hey, as a prospect, 
I'm going to really get something insightful out of this. Yeah, so I do think it is channel dependent. Like the type of video you would run as a short is probably going to have more text animation be and or a LinkedIn ad or a LinkedIn post because people are going to be on mute sometimes, you know, scanning through real quick. So I do think it's medium dependent. But aside from style, the one mistake I see, and I see this on podcasts a lot, um, and I did it before, is starting with a long-winded intro. So never start your testimonial video with, I'm so-and-so, I work with at Acme Corp, this is my background. No one cares. Like you're going to need that later on. You're going to need the context, but start with a hook and put a name tag on it, essentially, like a lower third that shows it and lead with the most compelling piece of content. Cause it's kind of like writing something, you know, the, the first sentence to get someone to read the second sentence, it's kind of like that in video, like the hook is to get them to watch the next part and then the next part. And then when they're invested, you can unpack the story a bit. So that's one tip is, you know, start with the hook before you do the intro. And the other tip, it's not really a storytelling thing, but try to make it as human as possible. And I know everyone says this, um, but that's the key of having a good interviewer and a live interviewer. So, you know, for our remote and on-site testimonials, we have an interviewer there to loosen them up, ask the right questions, say, can you rephrase that in a more casual term, uh, tone? So it sounds like a real person. It's not a scripted business bot. So those are two quick ones. Start with the hook, get them relaxed and talking casually. And then it's a compelling human piece that someone might actually watch. And I think you're also probably big on, uh, you know, having a very specific length to each of these things. Uh, somewhere I read that. So um, do you have a mental model where you say that, hey, this video should not be more than um, one minute. This video should not be more than two minutes. Is that how you work? A little bit. Yeah, that's based more on where the video is going to live. So, you know, if it's a a cold or even an organic post on LinkedIn ad or organic we try to keep them under 45 and that's the upper upper limit, I would say. Um, on the website, I think you get a bit more leeway. Someone's taking the time to poke around there. So, you know, a 90 second says a reel with multiple voices cutting back and forth, you might watch. Um, and then for the sales enablement ones, we try to keep them under a minute. I mean, we have customers who come in and want longer form ones. And in certain industries, there's a case for it. Like if they want to essentially replace reference calls and they want a recorded long form testimonial, go for it. But I think Think about the channel and what else you're competing with for their attention. So on LinkedIn, long form doesn't play. On YouTube shorts, they don't let you do it, right? Um, so I would say just think through that before you do anything. And uh, maybe, you know, if you can clarify a little bit about the hook as well. You know, a lot of people uh, yes. equate hook to uh, being clickbaity. Yeah. Uh, and uh, these two are not the same. So no. uh, when you say hook, what is it based on? Is it like my hook for this um, this audience is going to be very different versus my hook for somebody else. Is that how you look at it? A little bit. I would say based on the story, like pull out the most compelling part that stands out. Um, so an example, one of our videos that I really liked is the guy said, uh, testimonial videos have made a quantifiable impact on our sales that we led with that. That was the first thing that they said, you know, him on, on camera hitting with that hard hitting hook where people think, okay, maybe I should pay attention. If they started with, Testimony hero has a good service. They're great to work with. No one's going to care. So that that's kind of what I mean. Something like I think clickbait is only clickbait if what they click on sucks, right? Like if, <laughs> if it's an interesting headline and they click on it and then they get more interesting stuff, that's fine. Um, yeah. So I would say bounce it with that. Yeah. Lead with something interesting. I love that. You know, I mean, this is going to be a snippet from this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. All right. So that brings us to uh, the second half of the conversation, which we call as rapid fire. So I'm going to shoot uh, five pointed questions at you. 
it's more like a game show the questions might be nice. short but yeah. the answers need not be you can uh, go with whatever comes to your mind are you ready yeah let's do it here's question number 1 what is one thing that you cringe about when you see case studies out there oh there's so many um i would go say if it. it's if it's too long like so many times i will click something and if i see a wall of text and it's a thousand words i click x really fast and i just leave that tab <laughs> and get out of there so i would say length is a key one all right love it cool here's um, question number 2 you say quality and authenticity are not mutually exclusive when it comes to video so uh, tell us more what do you mean yeah so this one people kind of think crappy quality video means it's more authentic like you don't what you film doesn't have to look like it's filmed on a potato to be authentic right it's about the interview the conversation how authentic the person is and how truthful they're being so that's something we're trying to get away like we want to give the highest quality video so it doesn't hurt people's eyes and it's not painful to watch while still being authentic um that being said i do think like the overly glossy you know it looks like a insurance or law ad that you see on tv yeah those aren't authentic but you don't need crappy camera and audio quality for it to be authentic yeah yeah probably it's around the covid time you know this whole thing about uh, uh being candid and being raw yeah. became a replacement for authenticity <laughs> it did yeah no exactly yeah but i i don't yeah i just really don't think that's the case and maybe i'm more judgy on video and audio but if the audio sucks and the video is not good it just that's all i can focus on so i do think there is a middle ground that you need Yeah no I can't agree more I love this. Yeah. Right so question number 3 two things that you ask people to avoid in their uh, customer stories um so that they don't look the same or sound the same all the time. Yeah I would say well that's a tough one. So two th- one thing I would avoid there is just focusing on recommendation questions and we see that a lot you know you end up with a list of 10 questions that are the exact same thing. So What was your experience working with this? Would you recommend them? Why would you recommend them? And then, you know, they all end up being the same way. So I would say avoid the recommendation questions. Um and the second one is avoid like business speak. I don't know if that's the right way to phrase it, but you know, avoid those type of questions. So, what you is the ROI? Very jargony an, type? Oh, okay. Yeah, very jargony, right? Like what what is the ROI is an okay question, but what impact did this have on your business? How did it make you more successful in your role? Yeah. that's going to get a way more compelling answer than what was the ROI um so you know avoid just the business we speak and focus on the human type questions that will get a human answer yeah yeah and yeah. probably i think some of these also happen because uh, people think that hey i'm always selling to that end person who is spending who is going to use the credit card but in yeah. reality the users are probably different you know if if you're yeah. if the sales leader buys the product and all the sales managers and ages are saying that this product sucks then yeah. the the vp is going to change the product anyway yeah no exactly like the bottoms up approach is a real thing companies have yeah. grown huge by it so yeah 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 love that right so question number 4 you have hosted more than 100 podcasts and as a marketer what is your single biggest learning from all of that that interviewing is really hard uh is it, i'm sure you felt the same way when you first started doing it like my first few podcasts sucked. If you ask you're asking about cringe earlier, if I go back and look, <laughs> I cringe at seeing those. It's rough. Um so I think that's the key. Like interviewing is tough and to tie it into what we do, 
you need a good interviewer to get a good story for your podcast. And the same holds yeah. true for customer interviews, you know, sales interviews, everything. You need a good interviewer. Yeah, I can't agree more because the interesting part here is more like, you know, um, I sometimes feel that as an interviewer, I'm more responsible to get the right story. And uh, it does kind of always run on the top of the mind. And uh, uh, again, uh, truth be told, in the past, you know, I've done about 150 episodes of a different podcast. And there have been times where uh, I've gone back to the guest and I've said that the editor did not approve the episode because I was not happy <laughs> with the content. <laughs> it's a revelation yeah. I'm making for the first time. <laughs> yeah, hopefully this isn't one of them. So hopefully we make it through to the final. <laughs> Yeah. Not at all. This is fantastic. Right. So uh, here's uh, the final rapid fire. Who is one person or company that you think nails the art of social proof? Oh, that's a good question. I think Amplitude is one that does it really well. Uh, they're not a customer of ours. I just think they do a good job of it. Sure. Um, so I had Ali who runs their program over there on our podcast. And they do a really good job of you know, actually telling stories actually making it human and then actually promoting the social proof. So yeah, I would say that's one that does a good job. I think there's the other, you know, obvious ones that we hear about a lot like Gong and Lavender and, you know, there's a whole bunch out there, but yeah, Amplitude is one, maybe not as many people know that has a lot of good examples. Right. So when you say somebody does this uh, really well, uh, does it stem or point to the story or does it uh, point to the factors that they talk about or is it about the mediums that they use to do that? All of the above is kind of the short answer. So the, the story and taking an interesting approach is, is a big part of why I mentioned them. Like they actually work on highlighting the, the person in the story instead of the company. Like that, that's a common mistake as well, is it's focused on the company when you're talking to a person. So they do a good job at that. Um, as well, they just make interesting use of where they use the videos. So be it LinkedIn, be it their, their customer page has a bunch of different formats and their quality is actually good. Again, they didn't work with us. So, you know, I'm probably plugging someone else here, but it is what it is. Like, you know, good customer proof is good customer proof. And I think they do a good job. Yeah, no, that's that's what being authentic is, right? You know, if somebody yeah. is doing great, they need not be the customer. It's it's 100%. like evangelizing for your category and not yeah. necessarily for your company. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, love that. All right, so you've hit all five questions out of the park and uh, it, it went on like a breeze. I absolutely love this. Thank you so much. That's fantastic. Yeah, thank you. That was a fun one. It's definitely a good one. Yeah. And for all the listeners, you know, if they would like to uh, connect with you, what's the best place to find you? Where are you yeah. most active on? Yeah, for me personally on LinkedIn. So I talk about this and a whole bunch of other sales marketing stuff. So I'm a kind of a reform salesperson who went into marketing and now I'm doing both. So if that's interesting to you and you want to follow along, reach out there, happy to connect. And then for the company, uh, just head on over to testimonialhero.com. Absolutely. I'm sure a lot of people are going to connect with you and as I was looking through your LinkedIn posts, they're really, really interesting and engaging. So I would highly recommend people to uh, connect with you and follow whatever you post and engage with you. Right. So um, do you have a parting message for our listeners here? Our majority of our listeners here are content marketers from the world of B2B SaaS. So mm -hmm. anything that you could share? Yeah. So repurpose, repurpose, repurpose and avoid boring checkbox content would kind of be the two short ones I'd share with them. I love that. It's it's almost like, you know, it comes off in a flash the moment, uh, you know, I ask this. Probably yeah. that's ingrained into your DNA. I it is. That. Yeah. Yeah. I You'll hear me talk about that a lot on LinkedIn. So, yeah. Amazing. Thank you so much, Dustin. I absolutely enjoyed every bit of this conversation and really appreciate that you made time to be with us today. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. <laughs>